We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Second Samuel chapter 7, as today we see God's covenant with David and we'll learn uh, different things couple of warnings to begin with I think and uh, just going through and seeing how awesome God is you know the Bible says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them and you know we're gonna see later on that um, we're the we're the clay and he's the potter and God wants to do a, a great work in us and through us but what gets in the way a lot of times is us God says, I want to be able to form you. I want you to be pliable in my hands because I want to create a masterpiece in your life and through your life. Um, but, you know, the warning, I guess you could say, is a lot of times we get in the way and we fight and we resist. And so David right here we're going to see is actually an example of an individual who allowed God to mold him and shape him. And in the end, we're going to see that God, therefore, rewarded him greatly and I think in the sense blessed many people. And so we begin, first of all, by noticing an assumption in verses 1 through 3. It says, Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark, the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. And we come now to a place in David's reign where he had a relative peace. Uh, the NIV says he was settled in his palace. The NLT says the Lord brought peace to the land. And so as he's there, think about this. It's a glorious palace, cedar wood, I mean, amazing place, majesty, glory. David came up with a good idea. It made perfect sense to him. It was both loving and logical according to his heart. David says, here I have this palace so beautiful lined with the finest of woods. And yet the Lord is living in a tent. And you know, later on when you read the Minor Prophets, you find that this was an issue. As a matter of fact, you read Haggai and God did talk to them and say, you guys got these nice houses and, and you're not taking care of my house. So there's some, some logic to this. David says, I've got this beautiful palace and, and the Lord is living in a tent, right? And so, you know, Nathan and him, they're just kicking back and Nathan says, you know what, I know where you're going with this, David. A temple sounds great. That's a great idea. Go, go and do all that's in your heart, man. The Lord is with you. And there's an assumption here. You know, keep in mind, Nathan is a prophet of God. This is the first time he's mentioned in the Bible, and the Bible mentions him often 28 times. His name means giver, and God would use Nathan to give David guidance, even through difficult times. We're going to see later in 2 Samuel chapter 11. But, but here we see David wants to build a house for God, and the prophet of God says, go for it. It sounds good to me. It must be good because it sounds good. I'm a prophet of God, and so David concludes it must be the will of God. But what we'll see in this is a lesson for us that a lot of times we have assumptions that, that aren't right. 
What we'll see is this was an assumption on the part of the prophet. He spoke hastily, and neither he nor David had been given marching orders from God. The dictionary defines assumption as a thing that accepted, that's accepted as true or certain to happen, and yet it has no proof. You see, a lot of times we in life, we, we will go down the logical road. A lot of times we in life will go down where we come up with this good idea road. And Nathan says something here. He says, no, you know, go and do all that is in your heart. The Lord is with you. What he's basically saying is follow your heart. Sounds good. But what was missing? And I think we know, right? Truly, truly, the Lord had not spoken. And for us as Christians, you know, I think this is an area where I think frequently we fail. You know, um, we, oh, the Lord gave me this scripture. Oh, the Lord said that. And, you know, you hear it all the time. Is it really the Lord? You know, and, and, and sometimes it's difficult. You know, sometimes it is a challenge. But I think if we really search our hearts and if we're just honest before God, you know, we'll find that a lot of times those things, it's not really the Lord. It's what, we, it's what we wanted it to be. And what David here has is a great idea. It sounds kind of good. It's real logical. But it's not, it's not spiritual. It's not supernatural. It's not really God. And so even the prophet says that he gets some good counsel here. Hey, go for it. Do all that's in your heart. And, and so what ends up happening, we read in verse 4, but it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I saw, wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? See, what needs to happen in, in verse 4, the, the word of the Lord needs to come to, to Nathan. The word of the Lord needs to come to and then you put your name there. Not the word of the Lord came to him or her or whatever, you know. The really, the word of the Lord comes to you. And we're going to see that in life. A lot of times there are things, the, the word of the Lord has already come. Because what's right and wrong is revealed in the Bible. But when God guides us, we need more than that. And that's when you really have to trust in a personal relationship with God. Listen, either this is a personal relationship with God, which we say so frequently that it almost sounds cliche, or it's not. And if it is, then you know, and I think, you know, a lot of times we pretend that we're, that we're in tune with God, but a lot of times we're really not. When was the last time you really, you just knew that God was speaking to you, that God was guiding you. And sometimes, yeah, he'll speak to you through the word. And, and by that, I mean some scriptures will, will jump out and you just know it's the Lord. But a lot of times I think we're, we're really not hearing. And so what we need to do is we need to just really come to this place where Nathan is. And, 
And I don't know really what happened that night. Somehow, perhaps Nathan spent some time in prayer. He was sitting. He was kneeling at the Lord's feet. I don't know. There he was that night, and the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, you need to go and tell my servant David, no. You need to go tell him no. It's interesting, First Chronicles chapter 17, and that's the parallel passage to this chapter. In chapter 17, verse 4, it says, God said, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. Would you build me a house? God says, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. God says, listen, I've been traveling in this tabernacle just fine. Have I ever complained? Or more importantly, have I ever commanded? And the answer is no. You know, verse 7, again, the Lord here says, Have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I have commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? And for us, I don't know, you guys, it's just an element of protection for us, you know, to wait for marching orders and, and, and don't, you know, spiritualize the things that, that shouldn't be spiritualized, to really make sure that you're seeking the Lord. And, and sometimes, you know, you got to fast and you got to really pray and you got to really wait on the Lord. And all I'm saying is that just be careful that you don't have those assumptions because you might have good motivations and I think David did and you have good intentions and that's great and it sounds like a good idea but we've got to make sure that we've heard the word of the Lord and we have the logic of the Lord not man because whenever we make decisions in life we can't just you know follow our heart and God will test us sometimes things don't make sense and that's sometimes where we really you know we see great things happen you know, where God called Abraham out and not knowing where he was going, he, he left. Or like with Chuck Smith, there he is, he's pastoring a church of 300 people and then God says, I want you to go over here and, and pastor a church of 25 people. And it doesn't make sense, but it's got to be the Lord, right? You know, looking at this right here, something else to remember, because of the fact that God is good, I, I think it's so cool to find that, you know, a lot of times when God says no, it's because he has something better. <laughs> you know, if God rejects your good idea, it's probably because he has something better. And that's what we read next in verse 8. He says, Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son." If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, who I removed from before you. 
and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. We see, first of all, the assumption, but then we see, secondly, in verses 4 through 17, the revelation. In verses 8 through 9, we see, first of all, the revelation about David. You know, I think it's so cool right there where God says to, to Nathan, I want you to tell my servant David, and he calls him his servant in verse 8. He calls him his servant in verse 5. And so David then grabs onto that. He mentions it nine times in this chapter that he's God's servant. He's God's servant. He's God's servant. Such a beautiful thing. And because of that, that he had that heart of being a servant, being a bond slave, God says to Nathan, tell David that I've called you from following sheep, think about that, following sheep, to leading my people. I've called you and I've commissioned you. And you guys know what a commission is, right? That's when God's with you. You're not alone. It's a commission. David, I've called you from being a shepherd, following sheep, to leading my people. I've commissioned you. I've been with you, David. And we've been through the hard times. And God, it's just so beautiful. This is the making of a man of God. You've got to go through the hard times. And I know we hate it. And know we're asking God, get me out of it. Get me out of it. Get me out of it. God says, I'll tell you what, I'll carry you through it. I'll be with you through the fire. God is now you know, going to share the great reward that he will give to David because of you know, what he what he went through in life. He was called, he was commissioned, and, and God says, and along the way I've cut off all your enemies. Isn't that awesome? God subdued Satan, Saul, and all who opposed him, and God will do that for us. We just gotta, we gotta learn, you know, from the life of David. What have we learned so far? You know, I know we just kinda picked it up in the middle of the story, but we've learned a lot of things. We've learned, and I don't lift my hand, We've learned, I'm going to wait on the Lord. We've learned to worship the Lord. We've learned a lot about David, having faith in the Lord. Not a perfect man, but getting back up and once again inquiring of the Lord. God said, I called you, David. I commissioned you, David. I've, I've been with you, and I cut off all your enemies. God says, I've done this work. I'm the one, he says, who's made your name great, like the great men on the earth. Look again. At verse 8, Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, and we know that hosts, it means the Lord of armies, the Lord of war, so to speak. I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel, and I have been with you wherever you have gone. And I've cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Now, when you read that right there, you know, some will tell you that this is simply in reference to the fact that David was famous. He had a great name. And it's possible that that's all God is saying. But wouldn't you, I don't know, I would venture to say that there's more to it than that because it's God who's saying your name is great. You know, to me, I think there's more to that. For, for God to say you have a great name must mean much more than fame. That's what I think. And what I think ended up happening really is that God had made him 
into a godly man. And, and God gets all the glory, but I think David cooperated with God and he, and he led him. That's the key. He led him. And a lot of times that's where I fall short. That's where we fall short. And I think now is where God is just challenging us. Absolute surrender. I mean, you got a, a pen or a pencil in your hand. And you're, you know, you're writing your name or whatever it is. That pencil is absolutely surrendered to the hand of the writer. Well, if we begin to kick against the goads, if we start you know, doing our own thing and you know, going against the, the hand of the writer, you know, it's not going to happen, man. There has to be an absolute surrender. And that's where we need to be. And I really believe that God made David into a great man in God's eyes. Because God does talk about great men in Matthew chapter 10. If, you, if you're great, then you've got to be slave of all. God does see men and women, some, you know, in one sense, not that he loves people more, but, man, how beautiful it is when he finds somebody that's just absolutely surrendered to him. In God's eyes, it's kind of like a picture of greatness. And, and we know David was imperfect, and we're about to see his flaws, but still, there was something about this guy. And God says, I called you, I commissioned you, uh, I cut off your enemies. I did this, and I made you, he says right here, to have this great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. And yeah, it speaks of him being famous, but I think it's speaking also the fact that God had done a great work. See, God made him a godly man, and the Lord wants to do the same with us. Matthew 4.19, it says, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. I love that. God says, I will make you fishers of men. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are potter. And all we are the work of your hand. And of course, Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we don't believe in fatalism. We don't believe that, you know, it's just like, you know, God does it and man has no, you know, way of responding or responsibility or any type of cooperation. No. Don't you think, don't you believe that God wants to do wonderful works in every single life, in every single Christian, and the only variable is whether or not that Christian will surrender? And once that Christian surrenders, he says, I'm all yours, Lord, then God then begins to do great works. And of course, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. I mean, when you surrender to the Lord, I think like David, you're going to have, you're going to have trials big time. So we have this revelation about David. And then we have, secondly, a revelation about David's people, Israel. In verse 10 and 11, he says, Moreover, God says, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them anymore as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. We'll stop there. See, first of all, it's a revelation about David. He had been called and commissioned and God had cut off his enemies. God you know, made him into a great man. 
we see secondly it's a revelation about David's people Israel. We know that the nation of Israel had already possessed the land, but it was not yet a time of the peace and prosperity that God really intended for them. And there's another message right there, I think, that, that you know, we, we might be saved, maybe God pu pulled us out of Egypt, but then there's an the element of, of wandering in the wilderness, and then, you know, you kind of even go in and you begin to experience the victory in the promised land, but it's not until really... You know, that you allow Jesus Christ to reign, to really reign in your life, that you experience the true peace and prosperity that comes when the Lord really is the king. See, David, under David, the nation of Israel prospered, and God was basically saying, this is my promise to you, this is my promise to your people. They're not going to be all thrashed around in their land anymore. See, they had the land, but we know people were coming in, the Philistines, the Amalekites. They were just messing them up. You read the Midianites. And there was never really that, that, that life until David reigned. And you guys know, those of you who have studied the Bible, once David reigned, God's people were blessed. You know, and, and again, you can just look at it, but we know that David is a picture of Christ. And, you know, I have to search my own heart, and I, I would encourage you guys to search your heart. You know, as Christians, even as Christians, are you living in a time of peace? Are you living in a time of spiritual prosperity? How is your life as a Christian? You know, are, are, you, are you, sometimes we, we find Christians are carnal. Sometimes I think that they're just, they're, they're not walking in that victorious Christian life. They're not really laying hold of the promises. They're not really sitting at God's feet. They're not really praying. They're not enjoying the many multitudes of blessings, how God wants to open the windows of heaven and bless every single life here. I'm not talking about an easy life. I'm talking about a life of joy and spiritual victory. And that's what, that's what David did for the people. God would work through him. That's what Jesus does for us when we let Jesus reign. And, and my encouragement to you is just, you know, let Jesus reign. And not only that, you know, let Jesus use your life. God used David to bless the people. And when, you know, God finds one person absolutely surrendered do we not know that he will bless people through that life that surrendered like David? I think we do. Because, you know, that's the message. And so, you know, God here, in looking at it, we begin, first of all, with, a, with an assumption. And I think we learn a lesson there. You know, make sure it's the Lord as you're making decisions in life. You have a relationship with him. His sheep hear his voice. And you're making decisions. And then we go on and we just discover, man, the, the revelation here as we learn God's word to David, God's word to David's people, Israel. And then thirdly, the revelation about David's descendants and his descendants, singular. Because look again at verse 11. He says, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and your rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. 
He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. That was God's promise now to David's descendants. And we're going to see his descendant. It's a real cool thing. You know, looking at this right here, we see the prophecy. And God says that God would build him a house. Look at verse 11 again. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. And so you look at that right there, and you're like, wait a minute, Manny. In verse 1, it says that the king was already dwelling in his house. What do you mean God's going to make him a house? And of course, we know even though it's the same Hebrew word, there's different thoughts here. See, verse 1 speaks of a physical dwelling. And praise God, man, if you got a house and if you got a nice house, you know, cool. You know, thank the Lord for that. But really, that house is going to burn, right? I mean, it's going to go down one day. God's talking about something bigger, something better. When God says no, oftentimes it's because he has something so much greater. David wanted to build God a house. And God said, no, I'm going to build you a house. So cool. He says, I'm going to basically do this work. Verse 1 speaks of a physical dwelling, but verse 11 speaks of a royal dynasty. You see, God tells us no, but it's because he's got these great plans oftentimes. Verses 12 through 17, we have this prophecy and this promise. is actually, it's so unheard of, astounding, it's amazing. You know, because you guys know how it is when you read, uh, you know, the histories of the kings. I mean, you know, they might go on for a few generations. Some go longer, some shorter. But, you know, eventually that dynasty ends. Eventually that monarchy is over. But here God says to David something that just blows your mind. You know, it's never going to end, David. You know, this is so much better. And there's a lot to it, you guys. I mean... There's so many lessons as I was going through this chapter right here. I'll tell you what. Here's one thing. I've got these great plans for my life. I've got these great plans for my life, right? And you think they're all great. And God says, man, I've got something exceedingly abundantly way better than your itty-bitty plans, you know? <laughs> oh, God, I want to build you a palace. I mean, that's a great idea. That's beautiful, but God says, no, I want to build you a dynasty. You know, and, and it's so cool when you just follow the Lord, man. God does a work that is just going to blow our minds. You know, I don't know when life is going to be over. I don't know when we're going to get raptured or when we're going to die. But I tell you what, man, if we would just make that decision even now to seek the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, to fast as we should, to pray as we should, to really fall in love with the Lord, man, just to really learn His Word from Genesis to Revelation and to live His Word and to cut out the things that don't belong and just bring in the things that do and to put off the old man and put on the new man. If we just simply do things God's way, then one day when life is over, and I don't know when it's going to be, but I'm telling you this, we're going to look back like David's going to, he's going to look back one day, he's going to sit before God and he's just going to say, wow, I can't believe 
what you've done in and through my life. Because I know who I am. And yet, what I feel and what I fear a lot of times happens is the exact opposite. That one day we're sitting there and life is, you know, about to be over. And we look back and we think, man, why didn't I do it God's way? And there's so many woulda, coulda, shouldas. There's so many regrets. You know, because it's always tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow I'll get it right. Tomorrow I'll absolutely surrender. Eventually I'll do it this Lord's way. And tomorrow never comes. To where we're recklessly abandoned to God like David was. I know he was. And God says, yeah, you want to do this, but I got something better. I'm going to blow your mind. You know, one of the things, for those of you, how many of you here have, have kids? A lot of you here. And, you know, and unless you're weird, um, if you had to choose, if you had to choose, wouldn't you want your kids, like, in, in one sense, to be more successful than you? I know that that's the way a good parent is. You want them to be blessed even more than you are in one sense. And I don't know. I don't know how that all works. But, but that's kind of what happened to David, you know. It's one thing for me to be blessed. It's another thing, a better thing, I think, for my children to be blessed. Look what he says. He's talking about God's, you know, David's son. He says, when your days are fulfilled, in verse 12, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you. That's obviously his son, right? Who will come from your body. And God says, I will establish his kingdom. That's beautiful. And it says in verse 13, and he shall build a house from my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David says, I want to build the house. Lord, I want to build it. And, and, and the Lord says, no, your son's going to build it. And I don't know about you, but when I read that right there, I just get so blessed. You know, because it's no greater pain when your kids are not walking with the Lord, right? But it's no greater joy when they are, and David knew eventually his son Solomon would do this great thing. You know, it's one thing to have a long-lasting dynasty, and that's cool, but it's quite another to be promised by God that your dynasty would be forever and ever. And that's what we read through this prophecy right here. Again, I will establish his kingdom, verse 12, and he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Notice, for how long? Forever forever and of course we know that that right there is in reference to the fact that one day the king of kings jesus christ would come through the lineage of david and that right there is just so amazing when you think about it you know sometimes life as a christian is hard to figure out um usually it's pretty basic but um like god does these great things and uh, and I know I know you know he's just where sin abounds grace abounds much more I know that but I tell you what don't miss the fact that he blesses good old fashioned obedience and you may have messed up but it's not too late to obey 
you know, Abraham. He kind of went up and down and all around, but eventually he came back to where he needed to be. And, and one day God showed him the stars of the sky, the sands of the sea, and he says, so I will bless you. And what did Abraham do? He believed. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And because of that, God blessed his lineage. God blessed the Jews. God blessed the world through one man's obedience. And there's no doubt in my mind that with the same camp and calling of the Abraham, who due to his faith in the Father was then a blessing to the world, there's no doubt in my mind so also with David, due to his heart that God made a prophecy unparalleled that would then bless his descendants. God said in verse 12, I will establish your son's kingdom. He said in verse 13, your son will build a house for my name. You know, and as a king, imagine you were a king in those days, undoubtedly David would be concerned on how this would work out, that kingdoms and dynasties, they die out. But God here gets his word out and says, in your case, it's not going to happen. I won't deal with your descendants as I did with Saul's descendants. If he sins, God says, I'll chasten him. Look again at verse 14. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. God says, I'll chasten him. But verse 15, my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. And God chastens his children. Just as a quick side note, Hebrews chapter 12, I encourage you, if you're getting spanked tonight, and, and you know, a lot of times, and I always tell you guys this, you know, people are getting disciplined, and, they, and they're just oblivious to it. God's spanking you. And he's telling you, I'm spanking you, and you're not listening. Oh, I'm going through a tremendous trial. No, you're not. You're getting spanked. And usually, you know, when we discipline our children, it's because we want, we want something to change. And, uh, you know, some kids, you guys know how it is. Uh, well, for, for some of you here, you might know how it is. Some children, man, you just give them a little, like, look, and they change. Other kids, you know, you almost kill them, and they don't. <laughs> So I guess we got to get creative in our discipline. But why are we like that with the Lord sometimes? God is just saying it's so simple. Stop it. Stop it. And we just were like, we're fighting the Lord, you know? Whomever the Lord loves, he disciplines. And it says right here, he scourges. And it says the same thing in Hebrews chapter 12. He scourges. It gets pretty intense sometimes. And God says, with your sons, I'll discipline them, I'll chasten them with the rods of men and the scourges. It's going to get crazy, but David, I'm never going to break this promise. I'm never going to break this promise. See, and imagine you're David, and you're just sitting there, just soaking it all in. You know, he's been a Christian, and I think David was a Christian all of his, all of his life, and you know, who knows how long he was out there in the fields just worshiping the Lord, writing psalms, you know, hanging out with the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, and he'll never forget the day he killed the giant, you know, Goliath. That must have been so cool. And going out and leading the army to victories and just living his life, going through the hard times, writing to the Lord so many times. And then you just come, you know, towards the, the, the you know, the latter portion of your life. 
And then you realize that all those years of obedience were noticed and would be blessed. Because the Bible says that whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. And if you sow good seed, you know, you might not see it now. But don't be discouraged because whatever you sow, eventually you're going to reap. But if you sow bad seed now, don't you know that at the end of your life or as life progresses, that you're going to begin to reap the ramifications of those decisions of disobedience? And so here's David, and he's just getting rewarded. He's getting blessed by God. God says, I'll chasten your sons, but I won't change the throne. The beautiful thing is, man, you know, your kids will be blessed forever. And it's a cool thing. Of course, it's in reference to the most amazing part of this whole prophecy that God was saying that through David, the king of kings would one day come. And this is the reason the Messiah was known as the son of David. And so I pray we would learn from this. I would pray we would learn like not to make assumptions. You got to get the word of the Lord to you, your name. And we have to make sure that we understand the revelations that, that David here, I believe he was blessed because of his obedience. And so what ends up happening in verse 18, we see David says, yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was worthy. No, he doesn't. In verse 18, I like this. Can you just picture this? Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can be say what can David say to you for you Lord God know your servant for your word's sake and according to your own heart you have done all these great things to make your servant know them therefore you are great O Lord God for there is none like you nor is there any god besides you according to all that we have heard with our ears and who is like your people like Israel the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people to make for himself a name and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which he has spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it be, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed 
for a forever. We end with the uh, contemplation, I guess you could say. David just sits before the Lord, or, or maybe you might even just call it an overall prayer. And it can kind of be broken up into three categories. Uh, number one, who am I? <laughs> David says, who am I? Number two, like in one sense, who are we, the people? And it's all answered in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the next question, who are you? There's no one like the Lord. You know, I love what he says in verse 18. Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? You know, in the NLT, verse 19, it says, do you deal with everyone this way? You know, it's an amazing thing when you look at this and we realize, you know, when we look at our own lives, you know, of course we know that it's the Lord who's done the work and he's used people even like us uh, a donkey the jawbone of a donkey you know but we see here david was a man that was pliable in god's hands you know when you when you're wondering who you are you know it's good to to just make a couple of things um you know real real clear number one you you remember who you are apart from christ apart from Christ. And we all know here that we're not much, right? We're wicked, we're wretched, we're, we have a fallen nature, we are, our, our alignment is off. You know how it is when you're driving your car and when your alignment's off and it veers to one way or the other? That's how we are. We're, we're, but we're really bad, apart from the Lord. But then you also you have to remember who you are as a part of the Lord, so to speak, as a part of the body of Christ, you know? That's how we find our identity. Who am I, Lord? And, and, and who is my house? What is, you know, the Koranias, has, no, no one even knows that name, who's that, you know? And you give your last name there, whoever you are, you know? And I don't know what that means, I don't know if it means that, you know, you came from bad blood or whatever, you know? You don't have much, you're poor, you're unknown, it doesn't matter. You know, I think when it, what I want to encourage you in is that when life is over, when life, you know, is over, when you finish the race, that because of a simple, solid obedience, you'll be able to see the blessings of that. And yeah, we're going to say, who am I, Lord, and we're not worthy. We'll never, ever say that I was good enough. We know it's the Lord, though. Who, who am I, Lord? And then he uses Israel right here. What's Israel? What's the church? The beautiful bride of Christ. You know who they are? They're a people whom God has redeemed, whom God has loved, whom God has saved, who God died for. And this beautiful, amazing bride of Christ. You know, casting crowns. You guys have probably heard that song. Who, who am I? And he just basically turns it around. It's because of who you are, Lord. And that's all David is saying right here. He's just saying, God, you know, I thank you. You know, I, I'm not worthy, but I, I'll tell you what. And here's the, 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 the way that he, he brings it all to just kind of wrap it up. You know what he does? He says, okay, God says to you tonight, God says to you tonight, if you get your life right, we'll use it this way. I'll bless you. And, you know, so, you know, one day you're there. I don't know. We'll just say 12 years down the road. 
And God says, uh, I'm going to bless you because of you've been obedient. Now, if the way that I usually am, to be honest with you, I would say something like, no, 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 I'm not worthy, right? And I think what the Lord says is, yeah, Manny, you're not worthy, but, but I want you to receive it. And that can be hard. You know, I was talking to someone earlier, and I was saying, you know, the difficulty, I think, oftentimes for some people is that, you know, you've messed up, that you don't believe that anyone can love you. And you just won't, you won't, let, you won't let God bless you. You won't let God love you. And what, Dave, what does David do? He just says, Lord, this is what you said. Bring it to pass. He just begins to pray it. And you read that through here over and over again. This is what you said, Lord. And he just begins to pray, Lord, bring it to pass. Bring it to pass. You know, one last thing. You know, why wasn't David allowed to build the temple? And, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a warning for us, but we know according to 1 Chronicles 28, verses 2 and 3, the Bible says it's because he was a man of war. He was a, a man of blood. And so um, some people say, well, that just means God didn't want his temple built by a man who was an army leader. Others say that that just means that because David killed people at times when he wasn't called to, there were those times where he didn't fight the battles of the Lord, that God said, can't do it. And so there's lessons, I guess you could say, in both directions. When we get to 2 Samuel chapter 11, we're going to see that because of his fall into adultery, that God would withhold all the blessings, some of the blessings that he wanted to bestow upon him. And so just as we see so frequently, you guys, it all comes back to this relationship that we have with God. And, you know, it's just it's a matter of, um, I guess you could say, learning who he is, learning who we are in him, and just praying that, you know, as you're going through life, and the Holy Spirit begins to point areas of your life that, that need to change or need to grow or need to go, that you and I would respond to those the way that we should. Husbands and wives and parents, single people, that sin, you know, that sin that really just, it needs to go. And God will give you the power to overcome. It's a beautiful relationship that we have with Him. And so I pray you guys that we would learn many things from tonight's lesson heavenly father i come before you we thank you so much for your word and lord we thank you for We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.